Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello, everyone. I'm Rosemary Coates in Silicon Valley. I'm your host for this edition of Women in Manufacturing Podcast. I'm the executive director of the Reshoring Institute, where we help companies bring back or expand their manufacturing in the U.S. I also run a global supply chain consulting firm called Blue Silk Consulting, where we help clients with their global supply chain projects and where I also do expert witness work. On these podcasts, we interview accomplished women in business and ask them to share their experiences. We are looking for insights from women leaders across America. Today, I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Dr. Tulinda Larson, who is the Executive Director at Utah Advanced Materials Manufacturing Initiative, otherwise known as UAMI. Dr. Larson is leading the charge to support manufacturing in Utah. Uh, but I'm going to let her tell you about her background and her amazing career path. So welcome, Dr. Larson. Thank you so much, Rosemary. Yes, may I call you to Linda? Yes, please do. Okay, yes. great, great. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in manufacturing. Well, first of all, I do want to give a shout out to you, Rosemary, and thank you for your efforts, both in the reshoring initiatives to bring companies and manufacturing products and services back to the United States. We certainly learned in the COVID-19, what we lived through in COVID-19 that we are so vulnerable with our supply chain. So I appreciate you've been doing this a long time and you are a very educated, knowledgeable voice in this reshoring effort. And then secondly, thank you for elevating women in manufacturing. We need to work together as much as we can to promote uh, women and to give them, just as you said, some insights and some pathways and, and role models to follow. Yeah, really, really important for sure. It really is. So I yeah. how did you get involved in all this? Well, I'm only been in manufacturing for a year. I was uh, before that in aerospace 40 plus years as an economist working um, with manufacturers, OEMs, Boeing, Airbus, Bombardier, Embraer, other manufacturers of mainly regional aircraft. And then I transitioned to a working as a startup that we were put together a um, database that was based in the cloud. And we um, were able to provide airlines operational data to help them improve on-time performance. So commercial, commercial airline travel? Commercial airlines, yes, for commercial well, travel. Nice if they were on time more often. <laughs> That's so true. Um, and actually my dissertation it puts forth some ideas on how to improve it. And my first thing is we really need to treat it as a priority, not as like we do accidents. And you know, as in the airline industry, we really have gotten to zero accidents. And I firmly believe we could do the same thing on delays if the industry decided to put that kind of an initiative forward. But anyway, so we had a small startup company that we sold and that then had me pivot my career into remotely piloted, optionally piloted and autonomous aircraft, also known as drones. I am a drone pilot. I also am a private pilot. 
And that is the growing area of aerospace. We're looking at many hundreds of thousands of aircraft in this category coming into the market, whereas the traditional classic commercial aircraft and also those in business aviation, it's only like 5,000 in the United States. So we're looking at a, a great increase in production rates for this new generation of aircraft, which then attracted me to look at how are we going to manufacture these all this much greater volume of aircraft than the industry has ever experienced. And so I was recruited to come into UAMI as executive director a year ago, bringing my aerospace background, of course, predominantly the composites that we work with here in Utah are aerospace and defense, but they're also outdoor rec. Composites, composites just, uh, just a quick question. So composites are um, an interesting kind of approach. They're lightweight um, materials, metal materials, primarily, I believe, right? No? Plastics? They're not metals. No, they are composites. It is a process of creating a new material using petroleum-based products. It is not plastic. It's okay. many, many times stronger than plastic. And it is an equivalent strength to metals, but it's not metals. Okay. So lighter, easier to manufacture, and uh, less expensive in many cases than the metals to for aerospace production. Right, so it'd be perfect for aerospace because lightweight and strong, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. What else that's were you uh, and, and then we, we are also, that's the predominant use of these, this new material is in aerospace, but it also is used in outdoor recreation, because you think about bikes and snowboards and skis, and also in medical devices on very small medical devices for like heart valves. Oh. So those are the primary areas. Oh, fantastic. And I think Utah has got a, a, a nice long history in aerospace also, I believe. So aerospace and, yeah, aerospace and composites. Uh, we were back in the 1950s, part of the Hercules rocket research and demonstration and uh, testing. The Hercules rocket was early, early composites, and we did develop that and test it here in Utah. Ah, very interesting. So tell us about UAMI and what the mission is and just about it, sort of a, it's a a fun acronym, I think, but uh, what, what are you actually doing at UAMI? Sure, uh, UAMI is a nonprofit and we are a public-private partnership. We are not a membership organization. We are administrators of two major federal programs and we also are administering some state programs to help the small businesses in Utah develop and grow in the advanced materials and advanced manufacturing. Again, advanced materials, composites, plastics are in there, and also ceramics. And advanced manufacturing is 3D printing, digital engineering, and using 5G technology. So that is our mission, is to elevate Utah as a key center in the United States and globally for advanced manufacturing. 
Ah, okay, very interesting. So, um, so it applies broadly across all all kinds of industry. Then, if it if it if the materials can be used in aerospace as well as other industries, is that right? That's correct. Our primary industries uh, for composites are aerospace and defense, outdoor recreation, and medical. But then when you start applying the advanced manufacturing processes, as I said, 3D printing and digital engineering, that can go everywhere to food production and a very across all manufacturing and bringing manufacturing, what we call industry 4.0, which is the next generation of how manufacturing will proceed. It, if you haven't looked at manufacturing lately, it has changed radically over the past 10, 15 years to be very, very much, well, you said you're from Silicon Valley, highly technical, uh, very clean, very precise industry. It's, it's not your grandfather's dusty, dark, welding kind of experience even welding in in our manufacturing industry is very precise and and uses digital engineering to execute the the designs mm -hmm. uh, my grandfather worked um, as a metal worker <clears throat> at a company called Hazy Taylor in Warren Ohio they made drinking fountains but you know I can remember him coming home from work this is probably in the 60s or yeah, probably in the 1960s. And he was dirty and smelly and he had grease under his fingernails. It was it was gross, you know, and that is not at all what manufacturing is like today. More than much more likely to be using computers on the shop floor as well as a clean environment. And, you know, it's just completely different. And a, a lot of automation and robotics. Yeah. So mundane, mundane repetable, re ah. Re repeatable um, acts that you need to do, tasks that you need to do in manufacturing can just be handed over to a ro robot, robotic automation. And so that kind of work that your grandfather was doing is pretty much been automated. And now the technicians, as they're called, are managing the computers and managing the output of the right. entire process. Yeah, you're right. So this is not my grandfather's manufacturing for sure. <laughs> and it has a lot of room for women to yeah. enter. There is a big initiative for diversity in manufacturing. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But at first, I had another question for you. Um, and that's, you know, it occurs to me, and we've done a, a number of projects with clients where we've uh, sought out a location for manufacturing across America. And although, you know, I think there's a, a, con uh, a general conception that um, the South is a good place to manufacture or uh, Texas, you know, often comes up in conversation. But in my experience in, in dealing with Utah, and Utah always ranks high on the list for potential for manufacturing. In my experience in working with Utah, is that that it's there's so much effort on on putting teams together and teamwork among the various agencies and organizations which uniquely sets utah apart i mean everyone seems to work together and support one another and i i just don't see that anyplace else so why do you think that happens in utah utah has a culture of collaboration 
And that has really been played out in the way we are developing manufacturing, but all of the industry. It's a very fiscally conservative government and it's a very small state in many ways that we have only 3 million total population and they're pretty much all down the Wasatch Front. So that makes it a very close-knit community to be able to work together and find solutions. And I think one of our shining examples, and I hate to say this to you, as you said, you're in Silicon Valley, is that they, the state of Utah set out to create what we call Silicon Slopes to compete with Silicon Valley. And we've been very successful in this corridor between Salt Lake City and Provo that we, we also call, you go down Route 15 and we call it Logo Valley because you have all the big names. You have Adobe, you have all of Qualtrics, you have all of the leading technology firms have indeed settled at least an office into Utah. And it's because of the very well-educated population. And it's one of the youngest populations. The prevailing culture here is to have a lot of children. And so the average age for Utah is 30. That's wow. amazing. It's a very young, vibrant community that is very conducive to manufacturing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it just is so striking because every time I'm in a meeting in Utah, they bring in people from various organizations and everybody is very friendly and supportive and willing to work together, which is, you know, which is quite unique. And then too, you know, there's some some really um, important aspects such as the, you were referring to the, the Wasatch range. And you know, we discovered the uh, the rail line up and down the Wasatch Range, which gives uh, an opportunity for for people in outlying communities to hop on the the rail line and get to their workplace easily. Um, you know, all this new build and construction, and then the the new airport too, uh, which is really important for international flights. Uh, so, you know, I think all those things make, make Utah a really important competitive environment for new manufacturing. Certainly the state's investment, as you point out, in infrastructure and to be able yeah. to have the roadways and also the rail. We really thank the Olympics of 2002 for starting the rail service. And then it has since expanded out from being just right downtown to the Olympic areas. And now, as you said, it goes up and down, they call it the front runner, up and down the Wasatch Front, and it makes it very much easier for commuting. And then the airport, we're so proud of our new airport. We spent $3 billion, knocked down completely the old airport. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. The design is just stunning and it works so well. We opened the new airport during the pandemic last August. And of course the passenger traffic was non-existent. Yeah. And here we are in this airport that's designed for five times what we were traveling at through <laughs> old airport and nobody's there. But meanwhile, talking about manufacturing, our, our cargo flights increased during that same time. So once again, you can see the support in Utah for the supply chain where we're Delta hub, we're bringing in from all over the world products to Utah 
for and also then sending our products out to the world so that the airport is an essential part of our supply chain. Absolutely. And particularly with international firms that have international flights or, you know, visitors coming in and out of, of Utah, it's really helpful to have a nice big modern airport and to track that. And I think it's one of the few airports that's new across America. Oh, it's the only, it's the, there has not been a new airport opened in a very long time. In the, I'd like to say decades uh, in the United States. Yeah, it's pretty obvious if you travel the world, you know, they're so far ahead of us in terms of airports, especially across Asia. Um, and ours are, you know, pretty broken down and in sad need of repair. So it's great to see that Salt Lake has, has opened a new airport. That's just awesome. So let's let's switch gears then and talk a little bit about your experience in supporting women in manufacturing. And uh, what some of the programs are that I know that you're working on to support uh, women up and comers in the manufacturing environment? Well, first of all, we need programs like you're doing here today. We need to get the word out and to help set some new standards, new understanding by, by women of what roles that they can play in this new dynamic industry. I started really working with women in technology when I was involved, I still am, with the Women and Drones, which is an organization that promotes women in operating drones. As I said earlier, I, I am a drone pilot and I am very much involved with the, the drone industry. And we started in 2017, created the organization just as an informal network, very quickly had 2,000 people who were affiliated. And so we just converted it over to a membership organization and put up a job board because every place we went to all the conferences, we would have companies come up to us and say, and this is true in manufacturing too, say to us, we've got the jobs, we can't find the women. And right. so that's one of the initiatives we launched was a job board. So promoting the opportunities to help businesses find women to, for the jobs is a very important function. So yeah, I, I just saw a statistic um, <clears throat> a couple of days ago that said out of the entire manufacturing workforce, only 29% are women. So there's lots and lots of room for growth. Absolutely. Um, so the Utah was privileged to be designated by the Department of Defense as a defense manufacturing community. And what that means is under the new program called the Defense Manufacturing Community Support Program, there were 40 applicants of communities throughout the United States that applied and only six were selected and Utah was one of them. One of our key programs through our Defense Manufacturing Community Program is workforce. And then we also have specific programs that are designed to bring more women and girls into manufacturing. Our, uh, I mean, I, we, I know you and I have talked about this on other occasions. I, some of them are fun programs like Mother Coders, which are okay. <laughs> who are, we have a program where they learn to code or software programming. And, and not like website stuff. I mean, serious certifiable certificates in programming that can be used to digital engineering, 
and support the big driver in, in Utah, which is the Hill Air Force Base and our support for our defense community. So they are able to get this certification and then continue to work from home and bring their value to the, to the workforce, which is so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in a place like Utah where your know, families are um, the centerpiece, I guess, of the workforce and having, uh, having children, it's really hard to get, to get childcare and, you know, make all those arrangements. And if women can work uh, even part-time from home, that's a, that's a big plus, a big plus. And it adds to our workforce shortage because Utah in our strong economy has sprung back from the COVID-19 recession. And now we have less than 3% unemployment, which as an economist, that's functionally full employment. Anybody who wants a job can get a job. So we need to find new pockets of talent that we can bring in. And this is one way is to work with stay-at-home moms and help them to get into the workplace. That's fantastic. What a great program. Well, are there other um, programs that you're supporting in Utah for women? Yes. Um, well, we are bringing the Women and Girls program all the way down to the grade school level. We're working with America Makes to institute <laughs> or to, with Girl Scouts to launch a new badge on 3D man, or advanced manufacturing, which is 3D printing in this case. And so we're working with Girl Scouts of Utah and America Makes, which is a DOD institute. And America Makes created this program for Girl Scouts that it's, it's a badge that they have certain tasks and things that, that they have to accomplish. And they have just launched that in another state, but Utah will be the next state that because of our funding that we have with the Utah Defense Manufacturing Community, we'll be bringing that to Utah by the end of this year. So that, that's really going quite young to have a, an introduction into. Yeah. And then another is welding camp for girls and it's just for girls to, to learn how to weld. Um, we, we also find, we've learned as an industry that women are really good at composites and welding because we're, we're precise, we're task oriented, we finish what we're, we've started. And so, we're smarter, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So those, now welding and composite layup and creating composites are, are two things you can't do from home. You have to do it in the factory. That's terrific. I'm, I'm just so pleased that we're supporting more women fundamentally. And, you know, I think that's the key to it. You can't just assume that women already in the workforce or, or um, you know, further on older people are going to jump in and be able to do this. We really have to fundamentally rethink the way we train women and, and bring them up through the ranks um, from grade school, through middle school, through high school, so that they have an understanding of what manufacturing is all about. And like you were saying, coding, essential part, um, you know, welding, um, you know, all kinds of skills, 3D printing, all those things are part of the manufacturing world and where we need to support new employees, women and men both, uh, coming up through the ranks so we can build out our workforce more effectively. And another part of our implementation of this grant is mentoring and networking for the women who are in the field. And we have identified seven women 
in, in Utah that are outstanding in the field of advanced manufacturing. And it's so interesting. Some of them are engineers, but one of them who runs a snowboard business is, is a graphic designer. So okay. we are using them as mentors and as role models for other women and girls to enter into Utah. Ah, fantastic, fantastic. Well, to Linda, any closing thoughts before we wrap it up today? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing with women in industry and in business in general is we have to support each other and we have to do more of what you're doing here and we have to start very young. Uh, before I read Cheryl Sandberg's book, lean in. I really believed that all we needed to do is get our education and work hard and we'll progress. And uh, she really opened my eyes to the idea that uh, many of the barriers are set ourselves. that we as women and as moms and as, as uh, daughters and our roles that we take in our home life sometimes impact us from making the decisions that would further our career. So the more we can help each other get through and think through and understand, particularly in this pink recession, as we know that COVID was, where so many women came out of the workforce. Right. We need to help pull them back in because we right. need their, their innovation creativity for all of our businesses here in the United States. Uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Larson. And can you please give us your contact information? Sure. My contact information through UAMI is tlarson at uami.org, which is T U, oh, I'm sorry, tlarson at uami.org, T L A R S E N at uami.org. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You can listen to more podcasts on Women in Manufacturing website at www.womenandmfg.com. And you can reach me, Rosemary Coates, at rcoates, R-C-O-A-T-E-S, at reshoringinstitute.org. And visit our website, www.reshoringinstitute.org where we publish all of our research on manufacturing in America. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.